You're listening to the Wildcat Sports Report Podcast. I'm Brad Ellis, former editor-in-chief of uh, WildcatSportsReport.com, former uh, host in 1290 Radio, and now flying solo for now on the uh, WSR Podcast. And hey, who would have thought? It's February 1st uh, with about an hour and two minutes left. These are my Monday musings. And uh, who would have thought on February 1st we'd be talking a lot of Arizona football, but the bulk of this podcast is going to indeed be talking University of Arizona football, more uh, Jed Fish news, and as we've mentioned last few podcasts, so far so good for the Jed Fish era. And again, we're going to have to see what happens when he actually coaches a game, Um, but it's hard to argue so far with most of the moves that have been made. Maybe the only thing lacking as he has yet to really attract a four-star, five-star caliber recruit. Um, but it's still early in the process. And in fact, uh, earlier today was the first time that they could officially call um, 2022 uh, prospects. Those are juniors in, in high school right now. Uh, the guys who will make up the his first recru- true recruiting class. Um, so we'll see what they can do. Uh, obviously, they've contacted a bunch of them. You can call their coaches. Players can contact uh, coaches. But th- today was the first day that they could actually place phone calls directly to recruits. And uh, they are, again, confirming and firming up those offers, creating those relationships. So let's go through a lot of news uh, since uh, we last touched base uh, last week. And really, uh, maybe the big news of the day, and there's been several pieces of news, is the uh, addition of Teddy Bruschi as a part-time analyst. Uh, to the coaching staff this had been rumored for some time uh, fish hinted about uh, you know it we've heard rumors of a, a former wildcat coming on I know the speculation pretty much was Bruski and or uh, Antoine Kaysen uh, but Bruski again announcing today now his primary job is still going to be working for ESPN this is a uh, a part-time position as a, a defensive analyst as well as doing some alumni relations work and in reality, this is not a move I think that's going to really translate directly to wins and losses. I don't think he's going to come up with the defensive game plan that's going to beat USC. But what this is, is, is this is a largely ceremonial position, but one that can pay some dividends. Uh, first and foremost, this, along with the hiring of Brandon Sanders, along with the hiring of Chuck Cecil and Ricky Hunley, continue to give credence that when Jed Fish says, I want to be open to the alumni, I want to embrace the past, that it's more than lip service. And we've heard that going back. I think, you know, I think Mike Stoops did a pretty decent job inviting guys back, letting guys work out. But we all know, you know, you've known, you've heard the stories, and that's one reason Antonio Pierce is up in uh, Tempe today, is how John Makovic treated even the guys who had just played the season before, not letting them work out and prepare for the draft uh, using the team facilities. Um, Rich Rodriguez, again, acted and said things, but a lot of guys have said that they kind of were turned off by that as well. And then Sumlin did some good things, reached out. I think he embraced Iktomi early on. We saw him, I think he attended the funeral of Warner Smith. But again, we've heard that a lot of the staff, maybe not Sumlin himself, uh, were not very good at reaching out to the former players or when they visited, um, you know, whether he's he's really good enough to play or not. Uh, the staff really didn't recruit Bruno Fina. 
Here's a guy who was a legit three-star, wound up at UCLA, and very least seems like a guy who could have filled out the class, especially because you're so thin on offensive line. And I know that staff did not love Fina, but it seemed like a missed opportunity there. You know, they did bring in uh, Jalen Harris, um, but they missed out on his brother. Uh, since then, Fish has gotten him. Uh, but really, yeah, just kind of kind of dropping the ball here and there. And again, we've heard some some stories. I know BJ Danker has been very critical of some of the support staff and how they treated uh, former players. But again, it seems like Fish is going to do a good job, and I think Fish recognizes the importance of getting those guys behind him because his hiring was not popular. We all know the alums really wanted Joe Salavea. They wanted a guy with ties to the program. Here's a guy who had absolutely no ties to the program, uh, but has quickly, again, put his money where his mouth is. So, so again, Bruski does that, I think, to the casual fan in Tucson. Bruski, um, again, is a selling point. I think the the biggest thing that he can do is kind of – uh, do what Herm Edwards has been able to do for ASU, and that is get ESPN on, on their side. You know, everyone loved Herm Edwards. A lot of people loved uh, Antonio Pierce. Now Bruski is a guy that's also well-liked at ESPN, so maybe you get some of that positive pub. Well, we saw games that didn't even involve ASU, and then you know, maybe they'd show an ASU highlight, and the play-by-play booth or the studio analyst would talk about ASU because they liked Herm Edwards. And again, Herm Edwards... Other than the colors he wears up north, an eminently likable guy. You know, uh, he, I can't say Chiefs fan. I liked everything about Herm Edwards except his game plan against the Colts back in about, oh, I think, 2006, 2007 playoffs where the Colts couldn't defend the run and they threw. Uh, but, hey, that's that's neither here nor there. He's actually a guy I thought when, when Stoops left would have been an interesting candidate for Arizona. I also was way wrong and thought he was past his prime as being effective. And, and again, he hasn't done a whole lot at ASU in terms of wins and losses, but they sure are bringing in a lot of talent. So that's what I think Bruski brings to the program. Again, I think it's a more ceremonial. I think it's more, it's it's a PR move. Uh, and I don't mean that as a negative, though. It's PR that the, the average fan can get excited about. It's a PR move that ESPN can talk about it. It's a PR move in the fact that you're further cementing your relationship with uh, the, the alumni base, with the fan base. So for a program that I think has done an absolutely awful job marketing their program the past Eight eight years, nine years since since really the end of the Stoops era. You know when you combine what Fish has done with the hiring of other players, with uh, what they're doing on social media, and and I can really tell you that, that if you're not on Twitter following Jed Fish and the rest of the program, they're doing some really spectacular things, really fun things. Uh, so continue to you really need to continue to check out that if you haven't but again so they're starting to figure out some of the marketing stuff some of the um things that i think were missing certainly for someone and a lot for rich rodriguez some things that even kind of started to slip at the end of the stoops era uh the bigger news is just the players they're bringing in and uh, let's start with their first uh uh 2022 recruiting again they can only officially contact uh, but they uh, landed Grayson Stovall, a big offensive lineman He uh, from the Phoenix area. Three-star guy, had some legit offers. Um, a good player, but what, what's maybe more important is he, he's from Chandler Hamilton. Uh, that's a school that uh, Arizona has really struggled to recruit. 
um, especially scholarship players. They've had some walk-ons. It's a powerhouse in the Phoenix area. Um, it's a position of need. And, and Stovall's a guy with some roots in Colorado. Some players, you know, that Arizona is recruiting uh, that they're they're looking at as well. Uh, but this is a nice pickup. This is a this again. Is this a program changer? Probably not. He's a, but he's a really good player, a legit player, uh, one of the better players in the state of Arizona in that class. Comes from a school that, again, Arizona has just butted their heads trying to get any traction in. Um, so he's going to come in next year, and again, a very smart kid, a very intelligent kid. Um, so it's a nice pickup. Uh, but really, where, where it starts to get exciting, and I guess before we go to the quarterbacks, uh, then they also came close to rounding out their uh, 2021 class. They got a commitment from uh, Ammon Anderson, I believe this is how you pronounce it, Ammon, uh, a linebacker out of the Phoenix area, uh, a kid who is kind of intriguing. Excuse me, Ammon Allen. Did I say Anderson? Ammon Allen. Um, linebacker from Gilbert Highlands, uh, did not have a ton of offers. Uh, let's going to be honest on that one. Most of his offers were service academies. Um, but he's a guy who Ralph Amson, uh, who runs one of the, uh, Arizona prep sites up in Phoenix does recruiting for in-state says he's absolutely a pac 12, uh, a little bit of underside safety. Um, but here's a guy who, again, a Phoenix, uh, recruit, a guy who's very smart. Uh, obviously, he could have gone to any of the service academies. And uh, an interesting pickup, again, trying to keep, again, a position of need at linebacker. And uh, a guy who maybe if he had had uh, that, that full season instead of the kind of the COVID season, get some more offers. But a guy who is a sleeper, uh, but becomes a position of need, getting a linebacker, getting kind of a, a guy who can do a lot of little things. Uh, so it'll be an interesting. Is again, is this the program changing uh, commitment? No, but it, it's a nice player to add towards the end of the class. And if um, the count is correct, and, and Arizona can indeed bring in 28 players in the class, which it is believed, uh, he becomes the 27th. They have one more uh, slot available. I know there's been some different players rumored whether it's going to be a transfer, whether it's going to be a high school player. Uh, we'll see as, as signing day is uh, is creeping up here, and we'll figure out what Arizona is going to do with that. What appears to be the the final slot. Uh, the bigger news again, and 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 this is the glamour position is the two quarterbacks that Arizona acquired over the weekend. The first is Jordan McLeod, a transfer from South Florida, a guy who did start a bunch of games uh, for the Bulls. Uh, He's a guy who played, uh, you know, both in 2019, 2020. Uh, I guess I think he will consider still be a sophomore uh, in the full in a in a pretty good uh, full season as a as a freshman. I think he played uh, he threw 194 pass or 224 passes. Uh, didn't complete a lot. 55 percent, uh, 1400 yards, 12 touchdowns. Did throw eight picks. Uh, he also ran, I think, for another four TDs, 283 yards. Last year in the abbreviated season, he still threw for 1,300 yards, raised that completion percentage up to 62%, uh, threw nine touchdowns, only two picks. Um, 
only gained 74 yards on, on the ground. Didn't rush a whole lot, only 62 times. But that includes sacks, only scored once. Um, but again, a guy who, who's done some good things. Uh, threw for 404 yards in, in his final game, which was a shootout loss to a pretty good Central Florida team. Uh, did struggle a bit against uh, against Houston. Uh, played sparingly against Tulsa. I think really, the and, and again, played sparingly or, or only played partially against both Cincinnati and Notre Dame. Against Notre Dame, only 8 of 14 for 64 yards against uh, Cincinnati, who, again, we know they were pretty good. 12 of 21 for 137, but did throw two picks. Uh, the year before is maybe what's more intriguing. Um, again, made some starts, uh, did some fill-ins, uh, was 3-for-3 three for, three for 22 yards against the Wisconsin team. That's as a, as a freshman, 4-5 or five for 90 yards in, in a loss against Georgia Tech in mop-up duty. Uh, you know, best game, really, was was a game against Cincinnati. It was 18-27, 267. So he's a guy who's done it. Again, hasn't set the world on fire except for that Central Florida game. Uh, but a guy who comes in, he, he's a versatile quarterback. He is a dual-threat quarterback um, who, again, has, has repaired something in his game, became, you know, became more accurate, cut down on those turnovers uh, last year in, in the abbreviated uh, season. Uh, the other guy they got, and this one's very intriguing, is uh, Braden Zermo. I don't know how to pronounce it. Zermino. Uh, 6'4", 220 at Loyola High School in Los Angeles. Uh, as a junior, threw for 1,600 yards, eight touchdowns, rushed for two more scores. Uh, California did not play last year, so he did not play because of COVID. Um, this is a guy who was committed to Princeton, uh, had offers from uh, Maryland and San Diego State, and has decided to be a preferred walk-on at Arizona. Um, 6'4", 220. Again, uh, is he... A high end, no, but he's a legit Pac-12 caliber type quarterback. Although he didn't have a ton of Pac-12, I don't know if he had any Pac-12 offers. But he comes in as a preferred walk-on. Um, now, because of COVID, I don't think he's made that official visit to Arizona. So I think technically he's eligible for a blue shirt. Um, although I think he's also going to enroll early. But basically, what you can do is with most um, walk-ons. You either wait the two years so they just count against the general scholarships, or you can, you know, you can uh, slot him towards next year. Now there may be some flexibility where you can actually count him against next year's uh, and, and and actually put him on scholarship shortly arriving on campus. But he might have to wait till the fall if he indeed wants to be here during spring. Then that doesn't work. But again, I think Arizona. Uh, it's a possibility that they will eat that scholarship, put them towards the 2022 class, and uh, again, assuming he's good enough. But again, intriguing. So now Arizona comes in, and they have six, maybe seven quarterbacks. Remember, a month ago, we thought they had two. Um, you know, the addition of Gunnar Cruz, uh, the addition of what we appear again. I know Jason Shearer at Wildcat Authority has... Uh, said that Nick Moore, a transfer from Oregon State, uh, will also be walking on. Then you throw in Kevin Doyle and uh, and Plummer. Uh, so 
you know, people have asked and they want to know what's the quarterback room going to be, and I, I don't know, frankly, no, no. You know, I think Jed Fish is going to come in with an open competition. I think that's the one thing uh, that that we can see. And again, you have bodies, you have competent bodies, but you don't have a heads and uh, tails guy, you know, head and shoulders guy above the rest. So. If, if I'm looking at it, my, my best guess is I think we have a pecking order where I think McLeod, I think uh, Cruz, and maybe Plummer are probably the guys who are most in line to start. Now, the the big mystery there is is Doyle. And again, if you, if you believe some people on social media, there was a conspiracy against him that Arizona never gave him a fair shake. That he's and again we I think we we all know the kid has talent physical talent whether he he's he's a, more than an arm and some mobility and an actual quarterback I don't think we know we saw glimpses in the spring game a couple years ago but we don't know so the conspiracy theory is that he was basically buried um, because of uh, the relationship between Mazone someone and with with Grant Guttel. Uh, on the other hand, I've also talked to people who just say, yeah, he's good. He's got a lot of talent, but he just has never put it together. So we don't, I don't think we know what Doyle is. So I'm going to err on the side of caution and, and assume that Doyle is the guy who, again, could not crack really the the top two and maybe the top three under someone. But I, I wouldn't put anything past some, the someone staff at this point. We saw how that just disintegrated quickly. Generally, I err on the side of coaches know what they're doing. Coaches won't bury a guy um, when their livelihood is at stake. But with, with, with the Sumlin staff and the way that that was dysfunctional, I have no idea. I think in reality, it's probably McLeod and Cruz. Um, I think ideally you want to redshirt Plummer. Um, Plummer played last year because of injuries to Gunnell. Uh, he, he, he actually rose past Rhett Rodriguez. Uh, on the depth chart, um, I know a lot of people were very impressed with him, uh, who thought he outplayed Gunnell. I'll admit that I think if you take the totality of the season, I think when Gunnell was good, and that was really just the USC game and, and garbage time against Washington, he was better than anything Plummer did. Plummer never looked comfortable. But I also think Plummer's lows weren't as bad as the lows of of Gunnell. So there's something there to work with. But I think in a perfect world, he wouldn't have played last year. He would have observed, maybe got some mop-up duty. And I think this year in a perfect world, you'd kind of do the same thing, where you would put him, uh, redshirt him, let him learn, uh, let him watch these other guys, and then really open up that competition uh, a year from now. But again, he physically talented kid, so... If I had to guess, so I think it's Cruz. I think it's McLeod with with Plummer and Doyle kind of there. I think uh, Zermino and and uh, Nick Moore are, are probably behind them. Nick Moore again is is a guy who I think started his career at Eastern Washington, then wound up at Oregon State. Uh, he was actually competing for a starting job at Oregon State, played sparingly, and now comes to Arizona. And I think in reality, he's a guy who's who's just depth. He's a scout team type guy. He's another dual threat guy. I think it sounds like Jed Fish probably wants more pro-style passers. Um, so Moore comes in, and I know he really, the main reason he transferred to Arizona was, one, there's an opportunity. It's not like he's not going to get a chance or look at quarterback, but he's, he's by all accounts in a relationship with one of the 
a U of A softball player. So I think it was more personal reasons. Uh, if the last name sounds familiar, he is related. He is the brother of Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Matt Moore, um, who is, uh, of course, playing in the Super Bowl this weekend as the Chiefs' third-string quarterback. Um, so some good bloodlines there. So it's a very interesting. I don't think we'll know. I think we'll know more after spring. Again, I think the two transfers are more than likely the guys who will be really duking it out unless Plummer really makes some leaps and bounds. Or Doyle is really the guy that some people thought and hope he could have been out of high school or that you know, some people believe uh, just was never given a fair shake. But I, you got to think that, that at the end of the day, Jed Fish needs to win. He wants to win. He's going to put the best kids uh, on the field. So really, that's kind of the... That's kind of it. We'll know a little again. We'll have some wrap up of signing day. Will we'll Arizona maintain? I think they have three guys that are still committed. Uh, Casey Osai has decommitted from the program, but really didn't sound like the new staff really reached out to him. Uh, so we'll really figure out what's going on with that last scholarship. Are there any uh, signing day surprises, last minute surprises? Does Arizona eat the scholarship for now and go into the post-spring to see if they can't get get a, another transfer. So a lot of interesting things there. Um, I'm going to stick with football. And I, Those of you who listen to me on 1290 in the past or on other radio stations or other podcasts, no, I'm not really a hot take guy. I'm not the, the Skip Bayless. I'm going to throw something out that, that's completely shocking. Um, but this is, might be as close to a hot take as I get. And let me preface this by saying, I wanted Kevin Sumlin. He was the guy I wanted when Arizona. I mean, you know, there were obviously some other guys you'd want more, but I thought Sumlin was a really good hire. I was intrigued by Ken N, but I thought Sumlin was the better hire. I also thought that Kevin Sumlin was going to be on the Kevin Sumlin revenge tour, that he wanted to prove that he got a raw deal at Texas A&M, that, uh, you know, he... Again, as I had noted in in the past on this podcast and other places, you know, he outperformed the job. He was the second winningest coach in terms of win percentage in the modern era. It had really, if you take him and R.C. Slocum out of the job, had really been a six-and-a-half win program, uh, and he was an eight-win coach. Now, obviously, we've seen what uh, Jimbo Fisher has done there. We've seen what Sumlin did at Arizona. It was a disaster. Part of me wonders if the biggest problem was not that Kevin Sumlin doesn't have a taste for it, that Kevin Sumlin's a bad coach. I said Kevin Sumlin should have taken a year off. And I think in many ways we look at some of the stories and that, that you know, President Robbins really pushed for him, almost had to sell him on the program. I think that's your first mistake. I think if we look at anything uh, from the Jed Fish hiring, from, you know, some of the other guys... You want a guy who wants the job, and Fish came in and, and sold himself and sold why he wanted the program. I think if you looked at a guy like Salavea, from what I hear, uh, the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma, who again, all of a sudden I forget his name, but he, uh, he wanted the job. Um, there's been some debate whether whether you know Brennan really wanted it or not, so you know, when you have to sell a guy like someone on the job, and in reality, if you listen to some, again, some of the reports, some of the things, I'm not going to get into it here. I'm not going to necessarily give credence to the rumors, but we all heard the rumors that there might have been some personal health issues with someone. We definitely know there was some really 
you know, the, the, the ending was not good at A&M. There was some racism there with uh, some racist things left at his house. That maybe in reality, he was a guy who should have taken that money. He wasn't hurting for money and, and taken a year off and recharged the batteries. And who knows where Kevin Sumlin would be right now. Now, Arizona needed a coach. They wanted Sumlin, and it just didn't work. Three years, bad years, uh, you know, strained relationships. Uh, and Roy left the program maybe even lower than Makovic left it. And that, that's saying a lot. So that's my hot take is maybe someone just needed a year off. And again, I don't think he'll get another chance. I think he'll probably have to go the analyst route. I know there was some talk that maybe he'd wind up at Alabama, and I haven't heard if that's going to happen. But you know, hopefully the guy can get back on his feet if those health issues were were true that he can do that. Um, but it just didn't work at Arizona. Arizona basketball, uh, tale of two games. And uh, we're going to cover this quickly and then get out of here because it's now uh, 11.22 as I record this. And I'm getting tired. I stayed up late last night watching the Royal Rumble. Please don't judge. I know, pro wrestling. Uh, Arizona the Stanford game. Uh, there was a stretch there where Arizona had gone on a run. I think they took a five or seven point lead where I thought to myself, you know, maybe they're better without Jamal Baker. And then the offense went into the tank, and they couldn't do anything. They looked awful at the end of the game. Stanford just pulled away. Arizona looked disorganized, taking bad shots. And I know there are a lot of people critical of Sean Miller's offensive philosophy. I think some of that is definitely deserved. Uh, but there's also an Arizona team that was among, I think, led the Pac-12 in offensive efficiency and an offense uh, coming into the, that game. But certainly when it counted down the stretch, this is really the first time I can really see them. They just fell apart Whereas, and, then, and then struggled to defend as well. And Stanford's a pretty good team. We've seen it, but they also came to, came to McHale without three starters, even though they, they may be playing better basketball. They, they may have some addition by subtraction there. The Cal game was completely different, and, I, and I'll admit I didn't watch much of it. I listened to a lot of it on the radio and – Again, this is where I have to compliment uh, Brian Jeffries and Rhino, Ryan Hanson. They do a great job. But, again, that was a game that, save for a little run at the end where Arizona just turning the ball over like crazy, uh, they were just better than Cal. Cal's just not a very good basketball team. Arizona has more talent, and it's not a very good barometer. But Arizona comes away from the weekend with the split. Um, they're still kind of within striking distance of that uh, Pac-12 title, I think that is going to elude them. And really, that's the only kind of goal left, that and just preparing for next year. Uh, but really, the intrigue is they get ready to play Utah on Thursday. And we should see the uh, debut of Kirk Creesa, obviously the, the, the player who was uh, suspended by the NCAA for playing in some pro games he wasn't supposed to. Most guys got two or three game suspensions. Uh, he ends up getting suspended until uh, percentage of games. It ends up being uh, the February 4th. Originally, it was going to be February 6th, but with some of the COVID cancellations, he gets to play earlier. Miller says he's not on a minute limit, but um, probably won't play a whole lot, although they also said we'd see him early just to get it over with, get him on the floor, get that taste. So be interested to see what he brings to this team as – uh, suddenly, Arizona, which looked to be guard-heavy heading into the year uh, with some injuries, again, mostly notably to Baker and, and missing Creesa, a little thin now at guard. So that'll provide some much-needed depth. We'll figure out how good this kid is. And really, the thing that becomes interesting now is what do they do next year? 
Um, I, you know, they only have two seniors. They're both eligible to come back because of the COVID year. So you could see Ira Lee again playing for Arizona. I think he's a guy who has a place. So Arizona does not have a ton of bigs right now. Um, assuming everyone comes back, it would be Coloco. It would be uh, Tabulas. It would be Jordan Brown. And then you'd get uh, Bacho uh, off the injury and then Lee could provide some depth there. The inter- other interesting one is Terrell Brown. Brown's the better player than Lee, but with Arizona signing three wing-slash-guards in the recruiting class, you mix them in, assuming Baker comes back, assuming Creasa comes back, assuming uh, Terry Mathurin come back, assuming uh, Kenjo comes back. you got a very loaded area, so what do you do there? Now, again, they would have the roster spots for him. Uh, because basically those two seniors would not count against the roster, um, but it would make a really a, a log jam of players at those positions. So it'll be interesting to see what the decisions are made. Does anyone leave? Does anyone transfer? Do you guys go back to Europe to play? Is Mathurin good enough to jump to the NBA? Is Brown a guy who, who wants to try his hand? At the NBA, even though he's had a real up and down year. So again, a lot of interesting things, a lot of questions to be answered. But it'll be good to see Kirk Creesa on the floor Thursday night. So these are my Monday musings. Uh, I'm going to avoid the Kansas City Chiefs uh, Super Bowl talk, at least for a few days. But um, one of the reasons I'm recording so late is I had to rewatch the fourth quarter uh, of the Super Bowl as it came on. I'll avoid Royal Rumble talk since I don't think there's a ton of WWE fans, although if you guys are out there on Twitter and want to talk about it, I'll give you my wrestling takes. I'll, I'll avoid the heavy metal music uh, talk, although I will have maybe a, a band or album of the week for you at the end of the week. So again, thanks for all the positive feedback. Keep bringing it. Love to know what I can do better, what you want to hear. Again, still working on the second show with with some more voices or faces or familiar names. Um, but the, and the getting closer to hopefully making that a reality. Uh, check me out, WSR Brad on Twitter, Brad Alice, A-L-L-I-S on uh, Facebook. And uh, you can always email me, bradalice at msn.com. Oh, you know what? I'm going to conclude this with another thing. Those of you who follow me on Facebook have obviously seen the... Uh, what I call my confessions of a horrible father, as as I have said, I, I'm a great dad. I'm just not a very good father. If you're looking for someone who has very disciplined, uh, polite, well-behaved children, I'm not that guy. If you want to see someone who has fun with his kids playing, you know, lightsaber fights at Target, I'm that guy. So uh, my daughter was at a sleepover. My wife was out with work friends. So my son Tyler and I. Uh, we're at home. I tried to convince him to go to his favorite Chinese buffet. Didn't want to do it. So we, we got Chinese takeout. And then uh, he was playing video games. And normally he plays with his buddies online like so many uh, of the kids do. And he's like, Dad, no one's on. Do you want to play video games? And the PlayStation's actually mine. Now, he has adopted it. Um, he took over my office, which is actually the dining room, which is now his bedroom, his man cave. His, uh, he got sick of sharing a room with my with his twin sister. Um, you know, So he's got the... LED lights in here. He's got uh, some kind of video game bed sheet covering up the entrance to the kitchen. Um, he's got his gaming chair in here. So, so he's basically taking my PlayStation. So I don't get to play much anymore. But he wanted to play. And um, we don't have a lot of two-player games. He doesn't like Madden. 
Um, we don't have a, a very good version of FIFA or 2K. Um, so I did have a game. I bought it for $5 about a year and a half ago and, and just have never downloaded it. We decided to play Mortal Kombat. And those of you who played Mortal Kombat like me in the uh, mid-90s remember it was a little graphic. It was also like stunning visually back then when you when you either played in the arcade or you played it on the Sega or the uh, Super Nintendo. Uh, now it's it's taken again. It's got you know we're playing on the PlayStation Four and you know you hit some of those super moves and we're talking broken spines. There's just blood everywhere. Um, you know the the version we have has Jason and the Predator and the the alien the xenomorph from aliens which we've been watching as well and that's part of the story so we play mortal Kombat for about two hours and and again the cracking up and every time the blood splatters and the broken bones and the spines being pulled out he's laughing and i'm like just just don't tell your mom and then we get done with that and we decide we're going to watch a movie and we've been watching a lot of let him kind of pick some some old action movie stuff. We you know, we watched Predator about 6 months ago. We've watched uh, Terminator 2. Um you know, I've even let him watch uh, the TNT version of John Wick, but uh, we watched Alien versus Predators a few nights and he I decided no, you got to see the best one. You got to see Aliens. So we watch Aliens, and, and he loves it. It scares him. But So really, my Friday night, my 10-year-old son, I exposed him to Mortal Kombat and Aliens, the James Cameron film with uh, you know such classic uh, lines as, in case you're not up on current events, we just got our asses kicked by the late, great Bill Pullman. Paxton. I'm terrible with names today. That's what happens when I get record these late night uh podcast so thanks for joining in again give me the feedback at wsr brad at brad alice on facebook or at brad alice at msn.com constructive criticism is great i show ideas um all that kind of stuff love to hear it when we come back next we'll probably be doing a signing day uh, spectacular uh maybe a what if wednesday and then we'll head into this weekend as arizona uh gets ready to uh play the mountain schools so again uh thanks for listening this has been the wildcat sports report podcast i'm brad alice have a great day and bear down